morning crypto. Good morning, Warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from some of the top crypto researchers in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got the Italian stallion, Mr. Johnny Crypto. Mario, also known as the Node Defender, is here on this Wednesday. And we got a very special guest, somebody who probably needs no introduction in our community, but a renowned journalist and educator within the crypto sphere, known for influencing or interviewing the most influential men and women in crypto. Tony Edward is in the building, ladies and gentlemen. So I am very excited for today's show. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we will be discussing how times are quickly changing for crypto investors around the world with new blockchain adoption articles involving the Federal Reserve, BIS, and other multinational organizations. Joe Rogan is diving back into the crypto discussion this week, stating the end game for central banks runs through blockchain. Mark Yusko doubled down on his take that Bitcoin and Ethereum are the king and queen of this space, telling the world, I am struggling with XRP. And with the digital transformation of a lifetime already upon us, we break down the details, showing our community how this next cycle could be the greatest opportunity of our era. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So Johnny Crypto, as you can see, today's a special day because we've got Tony in the building, but the news articles are flooding in as we're rolling. How you feel, my friend? Thanks for being here. Abs are feeling great. We a lot of we got a lot of great news for everybody today. And first of all, good morning to all the warrior maniacs out there who show up every single day, especially in our chat room. Love you guys and appreciate you for showing up. And they're like warriors every single day. They're here. Great to see Mario and Tone. It's been a while. Can't wait to hop into it with it, brother. Love you, man. Absolutely, Mario. And I see you got the Merlin gear on. Great minds think alike on this Wednesday. First of all, how are you feeling? And thank you for being here. Oh, there's the mute button. Good morning, everyone. Yeah, I'm feeling awesome, dude. It's super excited to be here. It's great to see Tony again. It's great to see Abs and Johnny for the first time this week. Hope everybody out there in the chat is doing good. And I'm excited to talk crypto. Let's do it. Tony, we're going to be talking Bitcoin, Ethereum, ETFs, XRP news. But of course, Will Hinman and the debacle that is beginning before our eyes. But before we get into it, first of all, thank you for making time for us. And how are you feeling this morning? I'm feeling great. It's always great to be with you guys. Excited to talk about the, the news items. Thank you so much, Tony. And with that being said, guys, we're going to get this thing started the same way we always do by checking out our Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That is at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. So go smash that follow button. We love talking to you. The Bitcoin Fear and Greed Index is in neutral this morning, Johnny, sitting at a 49. When we look at some of the daily movers, Pepe Token, unfortunately, is the leader today, up about 11%. APT up about 8% and Chainlink up nearly 6%. When we look at our Merlin market update this morning, we're sitting at $1.18 trillion in total market cap. Bitcoin is 49% dominance. Ethereum is about 19%. We've got Bitcoin sitting at 29000 Ethereum, 1860 and XRP having a bullish day on the 24-hour, up about 5%, sitting at $0.66. Cents. And Tony, we're going to get right into our content for today because I'm excited to hear your opinion about this breaking news from Monday. This weekend, brace for impact, said Wall Street Bulls, as Ripple Labs has joined the International Swaps and Derivatives Association, a financial behemoth doing approximately $550 trillion in total volume and derivatives. This is massive. Over 1,000 institutions, 79 countries, Tony. Broadly, I'd love to give you the open floor. What was most important to you about this news? Now that the lawsuits behind us we discussed, this could become the norm for Ripple and XRP. Yeah, for sure. Uh, to your point, it will become the norm because I think whatever roadblocks was in the way before are all, all cleared out. 
right? The ruling is clear. XRP intrinsically is not a security. Uh, Ripple, to a certain degree, knows how to approach things, how to form partnerships now. And I think uh, recently, Monica Long, president at Ripple, said, hey, they're revisiting a lot of the U.S. partnerships, banks, uh, you know, different TradFi companies and so forth. So I think the runway is clear here, folks, uh, for continued partnerships, adoption, and much more. It's very exciting. And how do you feel about Ripple being associated with names like these? Ripple joins BlackRock and JP Morgan, as well as other global organizations in the International Swaps and Derivatives Association. What does that mean to you? Maybe you can give a more in-depth take. The average retail investor sees these articles and they might assume, okay, this means BlackRock is going to leverage Ripple. What do you take away? Is that actually what's being stated here? Well, I think a lot of us don't really pay attention to how the sausage is made and how things operate behind the scenes with uh, with different markets, whether it be derivatives, trading, whatever it may be. And Ripple, they have the pipeline solution. They have the infrastructure and the the framework. And uh, these companies like BlackRock and JP Morgan are looking to integrate that. Now, will they exclusively use the XRP ledger? That's the, you know. The million dollar question, we don't know. But as you can imagine, Ripple's meeting with these folks. BlackRock CEO uh, Larry Fink has been making the media rounds. Tokenization is the future of finance. And we're very bullish on crypto now, right? Um, and, then, you know, JP Morgan, they've been dabbling for years, building JPM coin. They've been working with Ethereum. So XRP and the XRP ledger is, of course, a great solution. And they can't ignore it anymore. And I think the all these, these things are aligning. The, the ruling... Uh, you know, regulations are being worked on in Congress and these big players are now showing their cards. Yeah, we're here. We're, we're ready to adopt and invest in it. Johnny Crypto, and you're going to love this. Your good friend, Mark Yusko, was finally talking about XRP. And believe it or not, I think he was referencing us in the video we're going to play today. But before we talk about that, what's on your mind? Well, you know, I just want to follow up with Tony said. I, I totally agree. You know, so Tony, you're right. Most people don't know how the sausage is made. Being Italian, I make the sausage, so I get to see it made all the time. Uh, and the reality is, I think it is big news that they're partnering together. I agree with you 100%. Just because their name is on the paper doesn't mean all of a sudden it's instant adoption of the Ripple technology. We talked about that the other day. I think, however, what's important is what the, the message that should be taken away, I'm curious what you think, is the fact that now you've got the company Ripple having a seat at the table with the big boys when we're talking about a derivatives market or how we're going to come up with solutions for the derivatives market, a $12 trillion, you know, actual, you know, liquid, liquid market from what I understand versus the 600 non-liquid. But nonetheless, the point being now you're sitting at the table and if you're at the table, you know, good things can happen. So for me, I think that's what the huge, for me, the excitement is that, Hey, they're there, they're in the room. They get to hear what's being said. They get to communicate other ideas and that certainly gives them a chance to play in that space in the future. So that's kind of my takeaway on it. Um, not necessarily like, oh, yeah, it's instant adoption. But, hey, it has the potential for one or two things. Maybe instant adoption of one of their technologies. Or two, maybe they go off and create something that they've heard about while they're talking in the room that can solve for the need. So that's kind of what, what I'm thinking, Tony. I'm curious if you're in the same camp. Oh, for sure. Um, being at the table is is a major win. And they, you know, it's it goes back to they first they laugh at you, they ignore you, all that stuff, right? Now, guess what? They can't ignore you anymore. Ripple's here. Uh, just recently in the CNBC top tech companies, they were listed as one of the top fintech companies. So they're making waves, man. Um, and I think it was just a lawsuit that really put a damper on on the momentum they had. Now that's just in the United States. 
which is the largest capital market, but they were expanding overseas. Um, in fact, I'll, I'm interviewing later today James Wallace of Ripple to talk about their CBDC central bank uh, work, you know, things they've been doing. So that interview will be published next week. But I think the runway is clear, man, like I said before, uh, for, for a takeoff here. Mario, we all are, we're also going to talk about how Algorand was the only other crypto project besides Crypto.com to be associated with the ISDA. So we can discuss what's more important, Gary Gensler's opinion or the International Swaps and Derivatives Association. But guys, we got 266 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Mario, tell me what's on your mind. Yeah, well, to answer your question, I think the latter is, is the more important. And all these things that are happening around the market, like these are all clues and signals that we're getting. So regardless of what's happening on the regulation front, like with, or I should say the enforcement front with Gary Gensler and the SEC, I think that's, it's been established. That's much of a distraction. It's part of the agenda. But I wanted to say that I agree with Johnny and I disagree with Johnny. And I'll say, I, you know, I agree that Ripple is, um, Ripple is well positioned, whether they're going to be the solution for, for cross-border payments, you know, to the mass extent that we think they are, I don't know, but I think they will definitely be the solution to something massive because they're positioning themselves into so many different, obviously within the financial sector, but so many different little niches, whether it's the custody, whether it's the cross-border payments. Um, and so I think they're definitely going to succeed uh, just because of the connections they're, they're creating. What I disagree with Johnny is, you know, he's Italian and he's, he's talking about Italian, you know, knowing how to do sausages. Portuguese, I, I got to say, we make sausage better than Italian. Sorry, man. Had to say it. Is it debatable, uh, Johnny? Not even close. They don't even have the right – you call chorizo. They don't even have the right name nah, for chorizo, it. No, nah, chorizo is not it, – it's not the uh, I'll tell you I'm what. I'm sorry, Mario. I'm sorry, uh, man. I'm going to have to be the tiebreaker. It's got to be the Italian, man. There you uh, go. That's the tiebreaker right there. There it is right there. Game over, you know, a game a over, that's it. I, I think We're inciting culture wars on Good Morning Crypto right now, guys. And this is an exciting video I really want to show our listeners. This is Darren Moore, somebody who's done some great interviews for the XRP community, interviewing Mark Yusko yesterday. And what's exciting about this video is Mark Yusko is finally discussing XRP, but he's not telling us what everybody thought we would hear. ...that are being proposed for the XRP ledger and how, how you feel about the XRP ledger in general. I struggle with XRP and, and I take a lot of grief for this, you know, in, in the communities. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm open to the idea that it's a better rail and that if you could get banks and brokerage firms and insurance companies and the like to, to integrate it, it could work. But at least so far as I can tell, there's very little evidence. There's lots of announcements with very little behind it. Um, and I, I think the idea is elegant. I think Brad's a very smart guy. I think I, I hate the way they issued it. And so does the SEC. Because We're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves here, Tony. I'm going to kick it to you for an initial comment. When Mark Yusko talked about there's a lot of announcements, but there's a little bit of actual utility I'm going to give you the open floor. You elaborate. Do you agree with Mark Yasko? No, I, I, I disagree. And look, I have uh, Mark, I consider a friend. I have a huge respect for him. I met him in person, had him on the show. I, I can't even count on my hand like how many times. Um, and I respect a lot of his thoughts, but I disagree with him on this. Uh, look, I, it's and that's OK. You know, I was thinking about it. Not everyone is going to be bullish on Ripple or XRP, and that's OK. But what's important is that 
Ripple and, and the token XRP can prove Mark wrong. And, and people can change their mind. Maybe a year from now, he comes back and he's like, yeah, I was wrong about that, right? Uh, so I, I'm okay. Look, Mark shares his opinion. That's fine. I disagree with it. And look, Mark does run a fund, which primarily has been invested in Bitcoin and Ethereum. And it wouldn't surprise me Mark has been shorting XRP, but that's okay. He runs a fund. He has a fiduciary duty. So I think all, I take all these things into context. A lot of good news there, Tony. And I want to remind our listeners as well. I believe it's two weeks from now. Mark Yusko is going to be coming on our show. So we are going to ask him some XRP questions for you guys. But Johnny, open floor and we'll continue. You know, to some degree, part of what he says is true. You hear a lot of announcements of stuff, but, you know, the actual implementation of it, that is kind of stuff that I think we've been waiting for too. And as I've said on the show, a lot of times these companies have NDAs, and so they're working on stuff behind the scenes, and maybe they're not allowed to talk about it, Abs. And so that could be part of the problem is is, is, is to why, you know, maybe guys like Mark who want to hear more about this stuff aren't hearing it. I think at some point maybe he'll come around. I know we've talked to him a lot of times on this show, and his biggest thing is he doesn't like the fact that 50% of the uh, the uh, actual uh, balance of, of, of XRP is in escrow and held in their control. So he, until that changes, I'm not so sure he's going to change his opinion on whether he gets there or not. And frankly, if Mark's in or out, it's okay. Like Tony said, everybody is entitled to their own opinion. I love Mark. We've had him on this show a number of times, and we'll have him on again in two weeks. Looking forward to talking to him about it. He even said, you know, yeah, well, actually, I don't want to ruin your video, so I'll let you. I'll let you Here's what's on. interesting, Johnny, and I just want to make a quick comment before we play the remainder of this, is that he said the adoption articles are there, but the utility is not. What does that tell me? Mark Yusko agrees the product is built to enhance payments, and he's a very smart guy. He's an investor in Ethereum. There is going to be a natural migration into better technologies, and I think many of the projects we talk about are the ones that will capitalize on that migration. Here's the remainder of this interview, and we'll talk about it. It could work, but... At least so far as I can tell, there's very little evidence. There's lots of announcements with very little behind it. Um, and I, I think the idea is elegant. I think Brad's a very smart guy. I think I, I hate the way they issued it. And so does the SEC because they deemed it a security issuance, which it was. Um, a few moments later. That's what I'm what I'm really interested in with the case. Now, a lot of people have told me that it's definitely going to be appealed. A lot of people told me it's definitely not going to be appealed. Yeah. Well, they, they filed the appeal. Right. And whether that appeal works or. Tony, we got to pause it because I'll play the remainder of this, guys. We got 330 people here. This is an exciting clip and probably the most impactful Mark Yusko clip we've ever played. Now, he just cited that the SEC already filed an appeal. This is what he may be referencing. There is a fake posting circulating on Twitter right now. And thank God for Jeremy Hogan because he called it out for our listeners. He said this SEC posting is fake. But that being said, if the SEC is going to file an interjectory appeal, I would expect it could be filed this week. So I'm not sure what made Mark Yusko say they've already filed an appeal. Do you believe he knows something we don't? Or do you think it was a fake news situation? I think it was a fake news situation um, because it seems like certain things have uh, been circulating that, that, uh, you know, Photoshop and so forth, but who knows? <laughs> Some of these guys are connected and they may know uh, certain things, but you know what? I, I, I was talking about this in the podcast that uh, go ahead and appeal. Uh, I think we've seen that or saw people like John Deaton and these others talk about what the timeline will look like. And it's 
<laughs> not likely to be overturned. So uh, the SEC can do that if they want to show that maybe they, they're not, uh, they have some strength still, you know, after a, a big defeat. Yeah, Tony, the only part that worries me about that is, you know, first of all, you're right, probably looking at a year or two sitting in court if they do appeal. My only concern is this. When we talk to Jeremy, if the SEC appeals us and loses us, they, they lose, they potentially lose power to go after any other cryptocurrency company. So why would you do that if you didn't think you had a really good chance of winning? So frankly, I hope they don't appeal because that would tell me that they think they don't have a strong case right out the gate. And let's face it, they already got the win they wanted. They were able to call it a security app based on the way they launched it, which mm -hmm. means they'll be able to go after any other company that does a similar type situation, some kind of, you know, ICO issuance or, or not. I shouldn't say that I shouldn't use the word ICO, but basically either doing an ICO or pitching it the way Ripple pitched it to institutions is still going to be considered security. They've got that, that win in their hat. So, why, why, why not just stop there? You got what you need. Very, very mind-boggling to me why they would continue on here. I, I don't know if it's an optics thing. It might be, you know, once again, to show we're not weak. And look, we've seen the SEC file nonsense lawsuits, right? Just look at Coinbase. I mean, you approve Coinbase to go public, and now you're suing them. And then even in the Ripple lawsuit, I think John Deaton did a great job of highlighting. They were trying to say every instance of XRP is a security. And and then they went after Brad and, and uh, Chris. So it just shows their hubris. And, and they're just like, I think Jay Clayton, even about a couple months ago, you know, if we're not filing enough lawsuits or whatever it is, it was just a horrible statement, right? Bad optics um, that we're not doing our jobs. It's like, no, if go after people, bad actors who are doing bad things and do it with integrity. But they're not right. They're just throwing everything at the wall to see what sticks. It doesn't matter who they're hurting or what's happening. They've become this monster that, that, you know, is out of control. Yeah. They're throwing that spaghetti against the wall. Maybe they should throw they that throw Portuguese sauce against the wall. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, with that being said, we're going to turn it right over to Mark Yusko here about his take. Is XRP ever going to see a global adoption phase? Let's listen in. I mean, that's definitely going to be appealed. A lot of people told me it's definitely not going to be appealed. Yeah, well, they, they filed the appeal, right? And whether that appeal works or whether it gets tossed um, because of the point that you make, uh, we'll see. Um, and they're appealing not the whole ruling, but, but parts of the ruling, as I understand it. And so... It, it's complex. And that's why, you know, when people say, oh, you know, we won. Well, kind of, you know, if you're Brad in the foundation and you're going to have to pay a big fine, you're probably not feeling like you won. You might feel, actually, it might feel like you won because they're not going to take it all away. They're just going to make you disgorge some profits. So you probably, you probably do feel like you won. Uh, if you're a trader and you've been trading you know, XRP on, you know, some exchange. Yeah, it's a big win. I think it's bigger than that, Tony. I really do. I think it's a broader, a much broader perspective than Mark Yusko is painting right here. He's focused on XRP's programmatic sales being approved. And this is how we've seen many mainstream news uh, articles frame this. Check out this latest article out of BlockWorks here. It said the court ruled that Ripple's institutional sales of XRP constituted as an unregistered securities offering but programmatic sales of the token were not. Now, just the structuring of that sentence is very misleading. If I was somebody who wasn't following this market so in depth, I would think the SEC won that case. And again, when we listen to guys like Mark Yusko, and I do, I love Mark Yusko. He's coming on the show in a couple of weeks. 
They paint this very optimistic picture for the SEC, but that's not what I'm sitting here seeing. So I'm going to turn it to you and then Mario. Yeah. Um, look, I don't want to say it's disingenuous, but maybe it's just human psychology, um, a bit of bias that, that people uh, are not recognizing because a lot of them wanted Ripple to lose. Look, it, we are in a competition here. There's a lot of Bitcoin people. All altcoins should die, right? There's Ethereum people. We hate XRP. Bitcoin people, we hate XRP. So there's a bit of bias, you know, underlying bias, I would say. And, you know, they're still hoping that uh, <laughs> something could be overturned. A ripple gets the big loss and ha ha, you know, it, that we told you guys so. But they're on the losing side because here's why. In Congress, you have members who are referencing this ruling and saying, see, the SEC doesn't know what they're doing. We got the bill to push it through. So the narrative has already flipped on Gary. The optics are looking very bad. And if you got members of Congress, there's now more pro-crypto uh, regulation than versus the naysayers, right? I, I think the pro-crypto folks are, are drowning out the Elizabeth Warrens and the Brad Shermans now. Go back maybe six months, that was not the case. And with these two big bills, one in the Senate, one in the House, of course, um, the narrative has shifted and they're using this ruling, I, I noticed that uh, Richie Torres did it. I uh, even Senator Lummis. I was actually very surprised she did that. They're just saying, "See the ruling here. This means we got to get the the, law, the, the the bill through." So um, these guys can say however they want. They can uh, uh, flip the narrative, put the verbiage in a way that it almost seems like Ripple lost. But um, I, I think you know history is not on their side on this one. Yeah, and I I think you know I love Mark Yusko. I think that he's uh, he's a brilliant mind, but. In this scenario, I do think that he's wrong because, you know, he's saying that Ripple didn't win. Well, these type of situations, when you get a settlement, that's practically a win because it's it's called the cost of doing business. And if they get a settlement in which they're allowed to continue to do their business and at the same time they get clarity. I mean, right now, XRP, as far as law is concerned in the United States, is the only crypto token that has been labeled not a security in uh, secondary markets. So I do think that he's wrong in that front. And I do think that uh, Ripple does get a win because the settlement automatically means, hey, look, you can continue doing your business. Here's the, the free pass or, or the, the pass, not a free pass because they're going to have to pay for it. But here's the pass so that you can succeed, basically. Here's the $100 million pass, Mario. Yeah, we got 370 work. people here. <laughs> Check out this video, Johnny Crypto. I want to go to some immediate comments after I play this clip because this is Mark Yusko telling Darren Moore, he wants the XRP to com community to convince him to own XRP. Fitting for topics. I know I'm going to get a lot of grief. I should have pushed you more on XRP, but I just okay. want to know your opinion. I still don't own it. And, and just, just, just to be fair, I still don't own it. And I would love anyone in the army to, to you know, convince me that I should own it. So I'm open to that conversation. Well, Mark Yesko, check your schedule, my friend, because there are a couple people in the army that are going to be interviewing you next week. And we're really excited about it. But Johnny, do you think he's referencing us here jokingly, of course? Uh, I, maybe, I mean, we've asked him several times about it on the show and he knows we, uh, we are, we are XRP holders. So I'm sure he's expecting us to be talking about it and not ruffling his feathers, but you know, and the reality is, look, it's not our job and nobody's job to convince anybody to invest in anything, you know, and Mark will come along. He'll come around. He, he already told you what he wants to see. All he needs to see is a few big banks or big corporate making uh, announcements of adoption of the technology. And I think you're going to see Mark is going to, as Tony said, he, he has a fiduciary responsibility to, to make money for his, for his, uh, his holders. So at the end of the day, if he thinks he can make money on XRP and, and maybe that 
that that that 50% control goes down a bit. I think if those two things happen, I, I think you'll see him come on board. Um, but, you know, coming on our show and us convincing him to sign on, uh, he's a really sharp guy. I think it's going to take more than that to get him to come on board, to be honest with you. Hey, if you believe, you can achieve, guys. And that's what I'm going into that interview. I like that. <laughs> I like that, Abs. That's actually really good. I like that. Tony, I want to get some thoughts on this last comment out of Yusko. So he stated in this interview, if you could get banks and brokerage firms, insurance companies, and like to integrate it, it could work. But at least as far as he can tell, there's very little evidence of this. And there's a lot of announcements with very little behind it. Do you agree with, I mean, I'm not really sure why he thinks there's no evidence behind it. Do you think he's talking about prices? Is he talking about announcements? We all know NDAs come into effect. So I'd like to hear your thoughts. Well, there's been, uh, like, uh, was it Travello? Um, uh, uh, man, I forgot some of the companies that Ripple has been working with, um, these smaller payment companies outside the United States. They've had success and they've been using XRP, but they're not MoneyGram or Western Union or Bank of America, right? So if he's looking for the big whales, well, I, there's a reason why that hasn't happened, the SEC lawsuit. But now yeah. that that has been removed, it, it's what Monica Long said recently, we're revisiting those U.S. partnerships, right? So they have to ramp back up in the United States. So Mark saying that is it's but not giving the context of why, <laughs> why has, uh, you know, have the big U S companies, well, <laughs> the sec sued ripple. So I think they've done the proof of concept and the different pilots and it, it works the, what they need to do now is work with these big institutions to get it going. Um, but they've done the, uh, partnerships with the smaller payment companies and those have been working outside of the United States. Well, this is a good time to get into a little Hinman conspiracy talk here because it's not Conspiracy Friday, guys, but we got Tony on the show, and he is an expert when it comes to this whole debacle. Yesterday, an SEC official named Bill Hinman was called out for being corrupt by someone else who used to work at the FCC, John Reed Stark. And I know you know a lot about this, Tony, so I'm excited to hear your insight. It said, yes, I have read that Bill Hinman might have acted unethically or even unlawfully, at least according to some reports. The FBI should investigate the so-called Hinman emails, and if the evidence shows unlawful conduct, the Department of Justice should prosecute. But Hinman's conduct is a weak deflection and a total red herring, as it has little to do with the applicability of securities laws. Guys, we got almost 400 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. I want you to vote on the poll in the live chat. Do you believe the SEC will approve a crypto ETF this year? I'm interested to hear from our listeners. But Tony... That being said, give us a breakdown broadly overall. Number one, will Bill Hinman ever be held accountable? And number two, how big of a, a deal is it that an ex-SEC official is now calling him out? Yeah, look, I, <laughs> I don't like John Reed Stark uh, that much. You know, we don't agree a lot. He blocked me and everything and because I was just sharing facts with him. But I think even he can see that clear as day, clearly corruption um, and Bill Hinman, uh, you know, if you have some level of reason and logic and uh, a normal level, like you can see clear collusion with the Ethereum folks, backroom deals, and he should be investigated. Now, will he be investigated? Man, that's tough because we know how government works sometimes and everybody tries to protect each other. Just look at Sam Bankman fried and, and the charges that are being dropped on him. So I don't think anything's going to happen. We would have to drum up so much noise to force the, the House Financial Committee and these folks who oversee the SEC and these other government agencies to pay attention to it. Uh, will people want to do it, you know, and, and get them, you know, social media going, email, uh, contact the representatives? I don't know. We, we can try, but my 
my thoughts are I don't think he anything happens to him. I think it's the revolving doors, these bureaucrats, and they try to protect each other because I know for a fact that um, from different people I've interviewed over the years, former SEC officials, one being a lawyer, I won't mention the name and which law firm was saying, oh, all this is a conspiracy theory. And I, and I kind of had a gut feeling, eh, I don't think he's being you know, genuine when he's saying these things. And then lo and behold, we got all the FOIA requests, all the emails, and we know the whole story now. So I just want to ask broadly overall, if we're looking at this thing from a prosecution standpoint, nobody thinks Bill Hinman's going to be looking through through bars anytime soon, right? What we are wondering is, let's say he is found to be corrupt. What, do you, what is the next step? Is a fine even justice? He manipulated the entire crypto market for about four years. Let's say he ends up paying a $15 million fine. That does nothing for us. It does nothing for the retail investor, except maybe help someone sleep at night if they're petty. So I'd like to hear your thoughts. Yeah, yeah, so... Here's the thing. There's court of public opinion and there is actual court in jail. <laughs> but what we what I think the big win would be for us, right, is that it further emphasizes the SEC. And I've been saying it for a while is rotten at its core um, and it needs to be revamped because you have these bureaucrats. And I mean, just look at Gary Gensler, right? So political looking to get the next uh, job, the Treasury job. So they're not doing things with integrity anymore. They've fallen far from their core values and core mission. So I think in the court of public opinion, that's the big win for me, that everybody's seeing this. We're amplifying it. It's getting covered. And while Bill Hinman may not pay any fines or go to jail, we have exposed the corruption. We've exposed what's been going on. And it weakens Gary Genser's narratives. It weakens the SEC. And I don't want them to be uh, demolished or anything or dissolved. They still have a job to do. But there's, there needs to be some house cleaning, man. It's pathetic. Do you believe we'll see the crypto conversation shift away from the SEC and the CFTC and we see a new government body specifically directed towards crypto? Is that something we could see in the next three, four, five years? Or is that not even a possibility from your perspective? I think it's possible as the technology becomes uh, more adopted and there are new um, inventions and new things that come out. Because you think about, you know, I got into market in 2016. I Never thought of DeFi, never thought of uh, NFTs. So there's always some new uh, technology that is branched out from blockchain and crypto. And it becomes, it's going to become more intricate, right? And you have DAOs and, and well, who knows what else is coming around the corner. So there's going to have to be, I think, another agency to help oversee all these things. Because there's a lot in the crypto industry, right? It's not just the securities and non-securities questions. DeFi and, and look at Tornado Cash and all these things. It's very complex. So I think they're going to have to build out, I think, another agency to do it. Conversation I was waiting to have till the end of the episode, but this is a pretty relevant discussion right now. An ex-CFTC attorney sees an XRP ETF potential amid the rampant crypto ETF filings. This is something we've been covering very in-depth on our show, Tony. And one of the things that sticks out here is if they approve Bitcoin, if they approve a Ethereum futures ETF, there's literally no hurdles to an XRP ETF. And you have a great interview you put out this week. So feel free to plug that right now and give us a little detail. Sure. So I interviewed um, James Seifert of Bloomberg, and he's an ETF research analyst there. So they've been covering everything about the BlackRock ETFs. They interviewed Kathy Wood, I think, the, the other day, and they've been following BlackRock and all the, the things that have been going on. So we talked about this. He said that, look, uh, Bitcoin spot ETF, would be the first hurdle. And then certainly the other altcoins get, get, could get ETFs as well. He thinks Ethereum with the recent surge of futures ETFs would be the next candidate. Um, with XRP, he said, look, there's no, with the clarity, there's no reason it should not get an approval. 
However, <laughs> because it has to go through the SEC, there, there's bad blood there. There's a bad taste in the, in the mouth, right, from, from what's happening. They may, they may come up with anything to just block that. Now, how long can they block it for? That's the question. But as you can imagine, they're not going to be, you know, happy and say, okay, we're ready to give XRP an ETF. That's not going to be the case. Johnny, I'd like to get some thoughts from you as well. Tony just broke it down. If we're going to get an XRP ETF, that approval is going to come from the SEC. So give me some of your thoughts. And we certainly know how much the SEC loves Ripple and XRP. So I'm sure they're going to be happy to do that pretty quickly. Yeah, that might be a tough one. You never know if there's some bad blood there, how that whole thing's going to play out. Uh, it might be more probable that we actually see a, as I said, a basket uh, or, or a category of ETFs, you know, like maybe a payment type system ETF in, in XRP is in that or part of it. But being its own, I'm not so sure. We'll have to wait and see how that whole thing plays out. Uh, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Let's just get the Bitcoin ETF first. So let's get that one abs off the table. Get that one in the bank. I think when that one comes, that's going to then open the floodgate if you will, for this space to at least have some legitimacy. Because right now, I mean, you go into a bank and they still, you say the word crypto and you're like, you're a criminal, right? We need, we really need the the legitimacy around the space. And I really think it all starts with the BlackRock ETF. And I think, you know, we'll probably get it sometime between September and January is my guess. And then we can start speculating which one on thereafter, because I think that will open the floodgates. Um, but do I think some point? Yeah, at some point, they're going to have to if, if, if they want to apply for an XRP one. I think you'll you'll see it coming. But I, I Johnny, I'm so sorry. I got to cut you off. We continue to get this tech issue with your microphone. I believe it's rubbing up against your shirt. Mario, I'm going to give you the open floor and we'll continue. Yeah, I have I have a thought. So with XRP getting the ETF, obviously, it seems uh, it seems uh, like clear that it will happen because they have that clarity from from this from not being a security. But to what extent won't the fact that Ripple holds so much of XRP Will that be a decision like factor into the SEC approving or not approving it based on how much XRP Ripple has in its power? That's just something that popped into my mind. I don't know the answer, but it would be interesting to know. That's, that would probably, in my mind, it would probably be a, a big factor. That's a great point. Johnny, I'd like to hear some of your insights. Do you think that will be coming to play? Now, one of the things people don't understand about the Ripple escrow is that every month a billion XRP are released into Ripple's wallet. They sell as much of that as possible through white slips or blue slips, whatever they call them, and the rest is rolled into the back end. Now, on average, they sell 175 million XRP per month, and so about 800 million are being put into the back end of that escrow. I'm curious to hear your thoughts. How do you think that plays into all this? Yeah, Mario brings up a great point. I actually didn't think about it. Um, that's that's certainly going to be a big hurdle. I, and I can imagine it, it comes up because um, you have all these different factors when it comes to the ETFs, like the surveillance partner. Um, you see what BlackRock had to do, who's custodying the funds, right? And boy, yeah, that escrow, unless they're able to have uh, maybe the SEC or other counterparties plug into the escrow so it doesn't show that Ripple itself is just... I know that the escrow is set up in a way where it's transparent. So we know they're not dumping, you know, and we know what's happening with a token. Um, but it's, it's an optics thing. You control 50, almost 50%. Should, are we going to trust you? Even though you have these reports and quarterly reports, that's going to be a challenge. So uh, Mario brings up a great point and we'll have to see how they navigate that. 
And this is an article I'm excited to show you, Tony, as Algorand was the only other crypto project selected in the ISDA association. Now, people are referring to crypto.com here, guys. They were referenced as an exchange. It's a little bit of a nuance. I wouldn't be surprised if they used the token. But from what I understood with reading this, it's more of an exchange aspect with that specific project. But here's a quick Algorand video before we get into the news explaining how this person's last name is connected to Algorand. Algorand is working with the Clinton Foundation. They just dotted the I's and crossed the T's on this partnership. Algorand working with the Clinton Foundation and its Clinton Global Initiative to help with climate change. How dare you? So very, very brief video there, Tony, but it is an interesting connection, right? This was last year where Hillary Clinton was taking pictures with the Algorand founders at an event. Does that play into, I guess, real utility ever coming into effect? They're very powerful people. What does this mean to you? Yeah, it's kind of what uh, Johnny and I were mentioning earlier, being at the table, right? Um, and building these relationships. Because uh, look, at the end of the day, uh, the world still runs with uh, networking and, and the ability to build relationships and partnerships. So I think the fact that, you know, these founders are certainly in the same circles as uh, well, Clinton's and whoever else, government officials, um, to try to uh, build those partnerships and get adoption, I think it's great. And, you know, I know there's been a lot of talk about Algorand almost like uh, dead, being dead, it, it lost AlgoFi and Look, the you know SEC named it, but I I still think the project's alive, and um, I still think it has a lot of potential. It's it's one of those uh, third generation blockchains, maybe if you can call it that. Um, obviously, it has some great uh, fundamentals and features. So I'm still bullish on Algorand. I still hold it, still staking it, um, and I think the fact that you know you're seeing these connections is, is certainly a good thing. Hey, Abs, remember this. I don't know if the audio is better or not. Is it glitching or? You're good. Go ahead. All right. So, you know, remember this thing about these partnerships. You have to always take these things with a grain of salt because a lot of these times these companies actually pay for the partnerships. Now, I'm not saying that's the case in this particular one with with the with the, the C word uh, foundation, them right there. But, you know, it is you. We've seen that a lot with Amazon. A lot of uh, cryptocurrencies were actually paying. Amazon, just so they could say, hey, we're partners with Amazon, because that's big news. That gets everybody excited. So just remember, when you see that, the real question, especially with this foundation, right? you know, we know they like to bring in money. Did they pay just to say, hey, we're part of this, so that then we're talking? About if they weren't paying for it, they weren't, we wouldn't be talking about the show right now, right? So now they're getting this free you know, uh, publicity. Not free, because they paid for it, but you know what I'm saying. So that's the question you always have to ask yourself with every single one of these partnerships is, hey, was there a a mutual value partnership here where they saw something in them and they wanted to build something together? Or was it, yeah, pay me and you could say you're part of my thing so you could get publicity. Make sure you're always checking that out because that, that to me is the most important part of any of these partnerships is understanding the, the, the fundamental contract between them before getting excited about them. Guys, and we've got a really, really great video to show our listeners of Joe Rogan discussing how cryptocurrency is finally hitting the mainstream conversations. But before we do that, here's the smartest way to track your crypto. Have you gotten wrecked in the crypto market space or watched your crypto portfolio go all the way up and then all the way down without taking profits? If so, it's probably because you didn't have an exit plan. The good news is that doesn't need to happen anymore thanks to a new and innovative crypto tracker called Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. Merlin brings all your coins into one place so you can see all your assets across the different exchanges on one screen. 
You can see your total portfolio value and more importantly, your daily gains, losses, and total since inception. Merlin puts the power back in your hands so you no longer have to guess what your portfolio is doing on a daily or monthly basis. Most importantly, Merlin lets you create an exit plan and sends you notifications when your targets are reached so you no longer have to get wrecked in the marketplace. Go to MerlinCrypto.com, that's MerlinCrypto.com, and sign up for our free 30-day trial and get on the wait list so you can receive an email when the product is launched. Don't miss out on this new and innovative app, Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. Johnny, and it's an exciting time to be a Merlin investor, or at least a part of the wait list, because we officially launched the product this week, and we are scaling out. We're getting it to everybody as quickly as we can. So any brief words before we continue? Yeah, I just want to say, guys, if you're on the wait list, start checking. You're actually going to, for, for wait listers, you're going to see it next week. So if you're on the wait list, start checking it starting on Wednesday. It is going to be exciting times. You will get early access, as we promised. Uh, we'll roll it out in scales uh, apps to different people and as we go up and up. So we're excited about it. We've got great feedback from people who've used it already, and we can't wait to get it into your hands. So uh, be ready. Next week is Thank the week. Thank you, guys. Very, very exciting. And with that being said, here's the update out of Joe Rogan because he was talking about crypto and what the end game is for central banks here. I just want to preface this. There's a lot of swear words in this. So if you're under 18, there's your warning. Here we go. So how do you feel about the government's um, digital currency that they're working? No fucking way. No way. That's what I think. I think that's checkmate. That's game over. That is fucking checkmate. Because if they apply that to a social credit score, if they decide somehow or another that you need some social credit score system and it's for the benefit of society and they outline that they can, you know, track your behavior and your tweets and all your things, and you get a, a score. And if you're doing that, they, they just haven't released the fucking report cards. Well, they, they don't haven't, have the kind they of freedom that the they like. They didn't send the report cards home to the parents yet. Right. It's already it's everything is already imprinted. Everything is already tracked. Everything is already there. But we they just haven't given it. They just can't control to you to the same extent that they would like. And what they would like to do is to, to, to be able to strip you of your money and to be able to lock you down and then make sure that you comply so that all the other people also comply because they don't want to be stripped of their money. They don't. So, Tony, we're going to play the remainder of this. I want to pause it here for some brief comments. I think this conversation is becoming so important because a lot of people get into crypto to get custody of their assets. Well, now we're having the contrarian narrative be rolled out when the central bank comes out with their crypto product. One of the main objectives is going to be to convince you decentralized currencies are not as reliable. And so I do think conversations like this with Joe Rogan, they inform the masses. They let us know what's coming maybe six, 10 a year in advance. I'd like to hear some of your thoughts and we'll continue. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, to your point, these conversations are super important, um, even though, you know, they may lean to a bit of a, the extreme, like, you know, oh, the government's going to come and take away everything. Um, is there the potential for that? Absolutely. Is that going to happen? I don't know. Um, but that's where these conversations can help, like you said, spread mass awareness and people can put pressure on their representatives and to make sure that uh, at least here in the United States for us, the digital dollar aligns with the Constitution and our right to privacy. And they put the proper guardrails in place. W one of the things I've been talking about is at least at least we have alternatives. So if if we don't want, you know, we want to we don't want to use as much of the digital dollar or other CBDCs, we can use Bitcoin, we can use Ethereum, we can use XRP and whatever else is out there. And there's also going to be the uh, the uh, stable coins from the private sector, such as PayPal um, and, and USDC, USDT. So we have options, but it is a conversation that we should continue to have and, and let people know why this is different and 
have them put pressure on the representatives to get it right. Johnny Crypto, we had a couple of good videos and I'm going to connect them right now. Mark Yusko said that he's seen a lot of news, but no action when it comes to these partnerships with Ripple. And what Joe Rogan just discussed is that a central bank digital currency is the end game for a lot of these organizations. Well, we have a connection here, guys, as the BIS is referencing the director of payment operations at Ripple as a key factor in their cross-border payments and interoperability extension task force. Another major development involving Ripple with a global organization, Johnny. You give me your thoughts broadly, and then we'll kick it to Mario. You know, I, you know, I think it's things like that that definitely will help build confidence. And like when we have him on the show in two weeks, you might want to bring all these. I'm sure you will. You have all these ties brought together, Abs. That will certainly show that now that the monkey is off of Ripple's back, and we've been saying it on this show for a year, once the monkey got off their back, Abs, we would then start to see things happening in the U.S., right? Or, or and then obviously this is in the U.S. BIS, but still the point is we're gonna we're starting to see activity in the U.S. This is huge because the BIS, I mean, there that's that's the end all be all. So if they're saying, hey, we're putting a task force together and we're gonna have somebody from Ripple on it, again, as I talked about earlier, having a seat at the table in any of these conversations is critical to even having a chance to being able to develop or provide a solution into these things. So for me, again, a very, very significant finding for sure and something that would get me extremely excited. Mario, I'd love to give you a chance to respond. If not, I've got a great video from John D in here explaining how Judge Torres has never been overruled on her previous rulings, but floor is yours. Yeah, I'll just add this as far as CBDCs. Like, I think CBDC conversation is, like Tony said, very important for awareness. People need should understand exactly what it is so that we can, one, have a chance of fighting it because we don't agree with it. But CBDC is also this, for the people that are in the crypto space, it's kind of this thing that it's like a double-edged sword. It's And I'll explain. So we know it's bad, but then all of a sudden we hear a crypto company is uh, working with a country on a CBDC and we got all excited. Like, for example, Ripple is working with a country on a CBDC and we're like, yes, they're doing it. But CBDCs are bad. So, and I, I get it. You know, I agree with some of the stuff that's being said in the chat. At least let's take let's take advantage of the opportunity, be invested in the rails so that we can uh, have the 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 profits out of it, and then use those profits to create freedom around the systems that are going to be put in place. Because whether we like it or not, the the, the world is only going to become more digital, and the more digital that we become, obviously the less transparent our lives are going to, or the more transparent our lives are going to be, the less private they're going to be. If our lives are going to be more transparent, I hope guys like Mark Zuckerberg and Elon Musk are held to the same standard. And I love Elon Musk. That's not a shot fired. I'm just saying it's funny when they, and this is a little bit of a tangent, when Mark Zuckerberg was being questioned at that Congress ruling about Facebook and the guy asked him, would you be comfortable sharing your home address? Would you be comfortable sharing the hotel you stayed at last night? And he goes, absolutely not. Well, then yeah. why are you requiring it from your users? Well, we're seeing the same thing happen with the banking system here. And this is a very good video out of John D in explaining how the Judge Torres ruling is very important because she's never been overturned before. No, I'm, I'm not attacking a particular judge, but I'm going to give facts. And, you know, Judge Torres has never been reversed on summary judgment. Judge Rakoff had 53 reversals, you know, just mm -hmm. to give you or 56, just to put things in perspective. And so, you know, it's great news for XRP. It's still great news for the entire crypto market. But when you have Larry Fink uh, uh, and, and, and PayPal and BlackRock and everyone now starting to maybe 
know what uphold knew years ago or or they're starting to see what uphold saw years ago i think the future is going to be okay so tony why do you think so many people are confused about the ripple ruling we can actually reference the article right now because i know we're running short on time mike novengratz did a pretty good interview talked about bitcoin's founder talked about the impact of the ripple ruling and here were some of the statements that he made i do think this sec loss to ripple sent shockwaves through the sec that they need to respond to their theory of everything is clear was undermined pretty dramatically, and it wouldn't surprise me if we saw moves to shore, to shore up their credibilities or credentials saying we are not the obstructionists, so they're not the destructors of this industry. I'd like to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I'm, funny that I'm agreeing with Mike Novogratz uh, on, on his statements here, but uh, I think he's right. And look, the, the SEC is in a lot of trouble right now because Coinbase, the judge, is making statements in that lawsuit siding with Coinbase um, and then Grayscale versus the SEC over the Bitcoin spot ETF. Uh, folks are saying, a lot of legal analysts are saying Grayscale is going to win this. And it could be that Gary Genser and the SEC approve all the Bitcoin spot ETFs together to cover and bury that news that they took a loss. Um, and, you know, with regards to the Ripple situation, it's kind of what we talked about earlier. People do have biases. Uh, Metcalf's law is playing out here. You hold a lot of Bitcoin, you're not going to be happy to see XRP get a favorable ruling, right? You hold a lot of Ethereum, you're not going to, because you have the, the maximalism, the tribalism. So that's a part of it, especially when you don't see people's portfolio. So, but if you're just, you know, putting your emotions to the side and looking at it from a neutral standpoint, the SEC, SEC took a big loss here. Yes, Ripple has to pay a fine, but the SEC took a big loss uh, because this has, this case law is going to have a lot of impl implications, especially in the Coinbase lawsuit. Um, other altcoin projects are going to be able to use the, the, the this defense as well. And yeah. uh, we talked about it earlier. Congress, members of the Senate and, and, and the House and so forth, they're using it to help push their bill uh, forward. And I think one of the one of the things it does. Oh, sorry. One of the things it does is, Tony, you said it kind of is it really took away Operation Choke Point was going after the exchanges and squeezing them down. Right. And I think until that ruling came out, they were going to probably slap them all. But now, as you see, the fact that programmatic sales, which guess what an exchange does, offers programmatic sales, really, really. I mean, you saw right away Coinbase took that ruling and instantly filed, you know, uh, I don't know if it was an appeal or a case to, uh, uh, or, or filed to disclose, um, what do you call it, to throw the case out based on that ruling alone. So to me, that took a, that was a huge hit. To the SEC and tone, that's the only reason why I can think of why they would want to appeal is to be able to keep that ability to go after those exchanges because now it makes it abs a lot harder to go after these exchanges when you got a court ruling that says programmatic sales are legal and you're saying, well, no, they're not. I mean, that's a very, very tough. They're in a, they're in a conundrum right now. You're spot on, Johnny. And we are going to cover a list later in the episode, about 10 minutes left here, guys. We got 380 people. Show us some love. Smash that like button. But before we do... The SEC published a list of 48 crypto assets that they believe constitute as securities. Some of our favorites were left off that list. But before we talk about that, this is Mike Novengratz dis discussing Satoshi Nakamoto and how if we did know who he was, things would be a lot different. Tell us who the inventor of Bitcoin is. Well, Satoshi Nakamoto is, is, the, who is that? the inventor. Nobody knows. And I, quite frankly, I think if we knew... Bitcoin might not be where it is. Like what gives something value isn't the technology, it's the social construct. You say it. 
It's the social construct. So the NSA, the CIA, all the other three-letter organizations, if they came together and founded it, it's the social construct that matters, guys. But I do want to get some of your thoughts, Tony. We talked about this a lot on our channel. Uh, Homeland Security tracked down the four Satoshis back in 2014. They found four people in California. Why is it that guys like Mike Novogratz never acknowledge that news? Boy, it will break up a lot of the narratives that are already out there, right? Uh, it would be total contrarian to what they've been saying for years. Um, I'm very curious as to, you know, if that information that you reference is indeed fact, I, I think it is, but you know, we don't know for sure. Um, and uh, I, I, a part of me is a bit concerned, but part of me is like, maybe it won't make the light of day, but who knows? But yeah, these guys, you know, they've been saying the same thing for years and many of them, they're hope they have big holdings, right? And and they Mike Novogratz has a fund. So for him to change his narrative would not only affect him but his fund and his investors. So uh, these things have to be taken into consideration. Hey Tony, I got a question for you. So my theory is that if people knew who invented uh, Bitcoin, and and you know we all think it's the government, that would actually be more beneficial for Bitcoin because most people, probably ninety percent trust the government they're like oh okay the government created this thing all right fine and they got they're, they're gonna they're just gonna hear that nobody's gonna take the time to do the research because nobody has time everybody's got no more than three seconds right you get about three seconds of attention span of people so they're gonna say oh yeah government created all right and then move on and to me i actually think it would be more so i think kind of contrarian i think just the opposite effect would happen i don't agree with mike i don't think people would run away from it or dan pena i think people would actually move more towards it thinking it was, you know, developed by something that the majority of people trust. I don't know. What do you think? Short term, I think you'll see, oh, crap, right? And then all the, the Bitcoin maxis, everybody, there's going to be a huge collapse of that narrative. A lot of people leave. But to your point, from a, ma a mass adoption st standpoint, the next billion people who are, have not been following this crap, <laughs> you know, they're going to be like, oh, okay. Yeah, a, a digital goal created by the government. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Doesn't that sound credible? I mean. Yeah. Well, this is some other news I think we should touch before the end of the episode, Tony. The Federal Reserve is going to expand its oversight of crypto-related activities at banks. And now we don't have enough time to bore our audience with the details, but I'm going to read a couple of sentences and we'll kick it straight to you. Regulators will enhance the supervision of novel activities such as crypto asset custody, crypto collateralized lending, facilitating crypto asset trading, and engaging in stablecoin slash dollar token issuance or distribution. To me, what I see here is actually a step in the right direction. Now, nobody trusts these guys, right? I'm not sitting here saying Jerome Powell is going to have this market figured out. But what I think they're accepting right now is the inevitable, Tony. If we're going to see the adoption of blockchain, the Federal Reserve is going to have to be involved. And one quick tie to ripple here. Michael Barr is the vice president of supervision for the Federal Reserve. And this is interesting because he's a former Ripple employee. So another big connection. Broadly, what do you think this means to you? The Federal Reserve's taken a step into blockchain for a long time. They've been in denial. Oh, this is incredibly bullish. I talked about it on the podcast last night. Um, they're going to have to be involved because crypto is going to be part of the fabric of the economy and how money moves. And what do they do? They control the money, right? The Fed. So they're going to monitor this. And look, banks, stock exchanges, everybody's getting involved. It, banks are launching crypto custody like BNY Mellon. Um, many of them are going to be using uh, stable coins, we know JP Morgan, they have their own JPM coin, you know, on a private blockchain. So the inevitable, like you said, is here and they can't ignore it. So they got to get on board and they're going to have to monitor this uh, because it's there's going to be 
millions, if not billions, uh, yeah, definitely billions flowing through the economy on stable coins, CBDCs, different crypto trading, crypto derivatives and tokenization. So I think they have to, you know, put up all the guardrails, put up all the supervisory, uh, you know, facets of whatever they do and review everything going on in the economy as it relates to crypto. Tony, I think our listeners would really appreciate. Could you elaborate on the potential for the derivatives market when it comes to Ripple? What are some of the biggest, biggest takeaways that you see when you see the ISDA article? We focus on the names, but how about the actual utility? I know that's where most of the liquidity in the world is. It sits in derivatives. Yeah, I mean, if I understand it correctly, you know, faster settlement and um, the ability. I know there's been a lot of talks with like PolySign and Atomic Settlement and um, an example I'll give is uh, um, the folks at Link2 are working with PolySign to create uh, a use leader atomic settlement for uh, the tokenization of um, equity and stocks and stuff on the blockchain, on the XRP ledger. Um, so it's just going to open up a more efficient and faster uh, markets. And I think 24-7 trading as well, you know, where there's no opening and closing bell. And I think uh, global derivatives and trading market. So another exciting aspect about what Ripple's doing here is they're expanding their use cases into the carbon credit market. Nobody here is pro ESG score. I promise you that, Tony. But to see Ripple taking center stage in a lot of these conversations, it's optimistic for the company. I guess it's optimistic for the project. What did you think about the carbon credit market news from yesterday? Uh, it's bullish. There's more tokenization on the XRP ledger, right? Uh, look, there's a lot of things that... I think we all we we don't like and and there's narratives and there's politics and whole kinds of stuff that's you know involved in in life and society, but at the end of the day, we also have to be realistic that uh, some of these things are inevitable. They're just happening, and unless we as collectively as a society and people come together and say, "Hey, we absolutely don't want this," it's going to happen. So whether I tweet, I hate ESG, I hate CBDCs. Okay, but what are you doing about it, right? Uh, the inevitable is here, and I, I think what we can at least do is contact our representatives and make sure these things don't become draconian and they at least, uh, you know, don't override our rights. So, uh, but to answer your question, bullish, more tokenization on the XRP ledger. Final topic for today, Tony. Over the week, we've seen lots of bullish news come out of China, Hong Kong, Singapore in reference to crypto adoption. If these companies can't operate in the United States, they're not going to cease to exist. They're just going to move their headquarters. So with that being said, when do you anticipate a 180 from American companies? Will we start to actually accept them here and, and build off their growth? You know, I think within the next two years, I think, uh, because once the regulations, and I think that there's already been a flag planted in the ground here by uh, Patrick McKenry, Glenn Thompson, Senator Lummis and Gillibrand, there's a, the, the narrative is shifting a bit because you also had PayPal just this week, a, a, a public company in the United States, right? One of the top brands signaling, hey, we're building on the Ethereum blockchain. That goes a far way. And then Congress is working on stablecoin regulations and they have bills moving further than they've ever moved in the history of the crypto industry. So the narrative is shifting. I, I And then Johnny mentioned, you know, Operation Choke Point and Gary Genser, the wind has been taken out of those sales a bit. So there's not as much uh, enforcement actions. So I think we're starting to see a shift, but, you know, we actually need to get the regulations for these companies to feel comfortable. 
Thank you so much, Tony. And we're going to close this thing out the same way we always do by saying thank you to each one of our special guests. Thank you to Mario. Thank you to Johnny. And thank you to Tony Edward himself. we got 368 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We'll see you guys in 23 hours. Like we always say, Warriors, ah, get your shit together, baby. Thank you for joining us.